Hi there, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And as always, we're grateful for the support of our top sponsor at Owner's Box. You'll be hearing a little bit about them later on in the show. But we have to begin off the top with news that broke this early this Thursday morning. AJ, the big trade between Buffalo and Vegas. Can you uh, set out the parameters and give me your opinion on this? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the the big piece here is that the Vegas Golden Knights get uh, Jack Eichel here. They're also going to get a third round selection in 2023. Um, On the flip side, Buffalo gets Alex Tuck, Peyton Krabs, a first in 2022 and a second in 2023. Now that first round pick is uh, uh, top 10 protected. If uh, for some reason Vegas is selecting in the top 10 in the 2022 draft, all of those picks, uh, all three of them get pushed off a year. So then it becomes a 2023 and yada, yada, yada down the rest of the way. So that's kind of the parameters of the deal. Uh, no salary retained, which was uh, a- apparently a big deal for uh, Buffalo. They were, uh, I believe I saw uh, their GM called a non-starter for retaining salary, which, you know, is considerable when you can, uh, given that Ico is making $10 million a year. Uh, for the next five years. So obviously they didn't want to be on the hook for a player not playing for them for the next five years. Certainly understand that it probably limited who they were able to make deals with. We were talking, Paul, you and I, before we got started, it's not really clear what, (laughs) what Vegas is going to do when they get totally healthy. I mean, they've got $27 million worth of IR uh, money right now and Eichel, Mark Stone and, and Max Pacioretty, but as far as the deal goes, I, I thought it was good for both sides, really. I mean, I've talked on this show probably ad nauseum for some people that I felt the Golden Knights don't have a center. And they're not going to have a center until February, probably, honestly, probably March when you factor in the international break. But at that point, and for four years beyond that, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will have a first-line center, which uh, is, is big for them for their part. Buffalo, you know, Tuck is going to be out for another month, month and a half here, um, but they'll get a player capable of being a 20, you know, 20 goal guy should fit into a top role. Uh, Peyton Krabs is going to start out in the minors, which isn't surprising considering he's uh, pointless in nine games right now. So uh, they got some nice guys, obviously the picks, a first and second rounder. Those are pretty decent uh, selections there. So Overall, uh, I think a win for both sides, Paul. I know that was a bit of a long-winded answer. Not sure if you have any more to add to that, my good man. You know what? I, I agree with your assessment, but I will throw in my two cents, AJ. You look at the depth chart down the road. I mean, this could be a deal like what St. Louis did and, and the Lightning, yeah. And so that that was a mess in terms of how we thought we'd unravel it, but it was a way to circumvent all this the salary cap issues by kicking the can down the road. And then when the playoffs come, all, all bets are off. So it's, uh, I wonder if that's going to be the situation at play in Vegas this year, partner. And, and if we go that far down the road, we look at the lineup here and we say Chandler Stevenson, 
you're the guy that probably is going to be looking at a new address because I don't. I think he's too good to be a third line center, and a real it's a real luxury. You hinted at the salary cap issue, so that's one guy that you can expect to be moved at some point. And and certainly they have Willie Carlson on the sidelines right now with an injury. He certainly projects to be a solid number two center. And then don't forget they got Nolan Patrick in there. So all of a sudden a, a deep deep number of options at center when all hands are on healthy and on deck, but. We're talking about a surgery, AJ, that has never been re- really performed on an NHL player before, and it's new and, and a new way to treat this unique issue that Eichel has. And you have to hope for his sake and for his life that that it turns out perfectly. We would certainly wish him a great outcome, but we won't know for sure for about four months. So that also factored into this this equation in terms of what other teams were reasonably willing to pay. There was the big salary that they're taking on, the injured nature of this player, the prospects that are thrown back and forth, and and to make sense of it from the Buffalo side, they have to be thrilled. They get a top six winger in Tuck, who brings a lot of physicality as well as a scoring touch, and then Peyton Krebs profiles the same way as Montreal's Nick Suzuki does for me, AJ. He's smallish in stature, but extremely skilled, and recently a number one first-round draft pick. So there's a lot of positives to view from what the Buffalo Hall was, and, and certainly they expect to add to that with a first-round pick of some quality, you think. I, I don't know uh, that we can project Vegas to be a team that finishes at the top of the standings at the NHL season, but particularly with the slow start that they're on. Wonder if you're going to be right, partner, with the, with the <laughs> call that you made at the beginning of the season, if this team makes the playoffs even. So it's way too early to project all that. And uh, so there's a lot of chips that have to fall. But I, I like your assessment. I think both teams did very well in this exercise. And certainly above all, I hope that we see a healthy Jack Eichel in the mix. And can you imagine the, the formidable power, power play unit in Vegas is going to be able to trot out? So something to look forward down forward to down the road a bit. Uh, anyway, with that, we're going to slide into our weekly look around the league. The 32 teams each have news and notes that we're going to be reporting on. And I'll start us off with a look at Anaheim. Normally, when we get a look at the Ducks, we're talking about a team that has trouble scoring, but there's no shortage of players that have bulged the twine or factored into offense in the past week. Uh, we begin with Troy Terry. He tied for the lead in all scorers this past seven days with five goals. Adam Henrique had a three goals and two helpers. Isaac Lundstrom, two and two. Kevin Shattenkirk, it looks like he's found a home again in in, uh, in uh, this locale. He's the power play quarterback. He's got five assists in the bag from last week. So he looks like a guy that should be on people's radars in terms of uh, defensemen that could be among the scoring leaders from the back end. Uh, that's how good this guy's skills are. And the situation right now looks very positive for him. But it's mitigated by the fact that a couple of guys are dealing with injuries or visits to the COVID protocol. Jakob Silverberg was pulled aside and notified that he has come down with the COVID, so he'll be out for a while. And Ricard Raquel similarly is sidelined with an upper body injury. So in place of those guys, there's been some roster shuffling. And so we'll take a quick look and say that uh, alongside Terry and Getzloff, we got Adam Henrique moves up. But the top six forwards now include Nicholas Delorier and Sonny Milano on the wings for Trevor Zegras. So that's a new look on the second line uh, in Anaheim. Well, injuries are also the name of the game in Arizona right now. Um, obviously, Carter Hutton is still sidelined. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, Ryan Zingo both out. Nick Schmaltz is dealing with an injury. Um, the guy I feel, honestly, out of all these uh, players, the guy I feel most 
uh, bad for is Connor Timmons. He dealt with some concussion issues, missed a significant amount of time because of that, and now he's done for the year uh, due to a knee injury. So um, just the blows kind of keep on coming for for Arizona, and, and I'm not expecting we're going to see uh, really anything out of them. You know, they are – Still winless uh, at, at at this point. Um, they're they're you know trying to put a team on the ice, but zero uh, nine and one to start the year uh, obviously isn't good enough. The goal differential on the year is minus twenty nine. These are numbers that I don't expect changing anytime soon. Maybe if they get you know most of these guys back and healthy, um, they could at least you know be a tougher out for other teams, but. Look, from a, a fantasy perspective, you know, mostly DFS, but even see, season long, if your team's going up against Arizona, uh, it's a good opportunity to stack um, anyway. just they, they just don't have uh, really any fight in them already at, at this point. And, A.J., uh, I, I would almost suggest that there's a little bit of concern in Boston along those lines just because through seven games we see the top line doing what the top line does, but beyond that, there's some concern for me in terms of the depth scoring. And you look at it and say, Charlie Coyle's looking like a credible replacement for Nick Krejci in the early going of five points in seven games. That's that's positive. But on the right wing, Craig Smith has been a dud uh, on that side. And then the depth options behind Pasternak include Curtis Lazar, who was a fourth liner much of the season last year. Carl, Carson Kuhlman, who they hope is going to make a breakthrough at some point, but Started out the season as a bottom six candidate. Nick Foligno was supposed to battle for this opportunity as well, but he's on the IR. He may be the best of the lot uh, behind Pasternak, and he's on the IR at the moment, and he'll be out for a few more days before he he, he can make a, a play for that role. But until they fill that, I'm a bit concerned about the Boston offense because beyond that, we're talking about maybe Jake DeBrusque as the only credible scoring option among the seven or eight guys that dot the lineup in the reserves among the forwards. Then up front, we have Charlie McAvoy, who's quite honestly, he's underperformed AJ in the early going this season. And I have a bit of a concern. They put a lot of money aside to sign him up and he should be more productive as an offensive D man than only three points in the seven games that he showed. A real positive though behind all that is they've got outstanding goaltending from Olmark and Swayman, they've split the goaltending role and both have performed extremely well uh, in uh, in back of this team that still plays a very sound defensive game. In Buffalo, it's a, it's about who's left, I guess, at this point. And, and one interesting aspect of their, their team right now. So uh, with the trade, they currently find their roster size is, is one player too many. They'll have to make a move to adjust that. They're at 24 um, I mentioned that they are going to send Peyton Craves down. They actually had to be kind of picky about who they did or didn't send down um, because they're almost at the cap floor. <laughs> uh, not not the cap ceiling. To be very clear here, I'm talking about the cap floor, as in they don't have enough money invested in this club uh, moving forward. So they're going to obviously – that will change a little bit. Um, when Alex Tuck comes back, Casey Middlestad, they, they've got plenty of room and options there. But it is interesting to talk about one side of the trade is suddenly going to have to do some juggling. And the other side is doing some juggling, but to, to keep themselves a, above the floor here. Um, you know, as far as the Sabres go for, for the last week, um, you're looking at uh, Asplin with three goals, one assist, Skinner with a pair of goals, which is certainly good for them that Jeff Skinner seems to have found 
a little bit of something here. Um, you know, I'm not expecting him to really ever return to the guy he was that first season in Buffalo when he put up 40 goals, uh, which is a career high for, for him, uh, and 63 points, which is another career high he's done multiple times. Um, you know, but this year, maybe 20. I, I think it's it's certainly possible if he avoids kind of extended slumps here. So he's maybe a player to keep an eye on. And then the net minding has actually been um, pretty decent when you consider they're rolling out, you know, 40-year-old Craig Anderson. A little bit of a drop-off this week. Uh, one win, one loss, a, a .875 save percentage. But really, given the kind of young transitional squad that he has in front of him, uh, I certainly think he's performed pretty well. The only thing that they have in common with Carolina is that they're relatively young teams. Carolina, though, is 9-0 and partner on the season. They're one shy of the league record at the beginning of the year. Of course, that was done by the Maple Leafs a few years ago. And uh, uh, the next game for Carolina is a tough one against Florida. So I'll be cheering for the Panthers just to see the Leafs remain alone in that uh, lofty part of the record book. And one of the reasons why they're on fire uh, is the goaltending of Freddie Anderson. Three wins under his belt, four goals against last week. I'll remind all our listeners that as far as regular season history in the NHL, Freddie Anderson ranks fourth among any goaltender who's played over 100 games in this league in their over 100-year history. That's how good he's been or how fortunate he's been to be with good teams, depending on which way you want to look at it. But I'll credit the goaltender for taking a big part of the role and running with it. His goals against is 1.5 through his eight starts this season. So that's a pretty good marks. And then another guy who we were wondering how he would fit in is D'Angelo on the blue line. Two goals and four helpers last week should tell you he's liking it in the Carolina. The power play quarterback looks like he's going to make a, make a name for himself in Carolina as one of the top scoring defensemen in the league should he keep up this hot start. And why wouldn't he when he's surrounded by the likes of uh, Svechnikov, Netskash, Aho, Trocek, and Teravainen, all of whom had scored at least two to four points last week. So plenty of options to help him boost his uh, offensive stats. And he's doing all right in his defensive zone as well. Another guy doing all right in his defensive zone is, is Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames. Uh, two wins, two shutouts in the last week. And even his one loss was an overtime one. So if we want to go that far Markstrom hasn't lost in regulation in his last six games while putting up a 1.15 goals against average. It's pretty ridiculous, all things considered. Um, can he keep it up? Probably not quite to that level, but even if he keeps that goals against average around two for the, the rest of the season, uh, that's certainly going to be a phenomenal campaign by him, especially when you consider they do have offensive pieces like Matthew Tichuk, two goals, one assist. Johnny Gaudreau, same. Uh, Lindholm with three assists here as well. I thought it was interesting that Tuchuk's name was supposedly linked uh, as part of a trade discussion between Calgary and Buffalo, which, of course, whether that's true or not, we'll never know. But, of course, today the team has come out and said, that's absolutely ridiculous. We would never <laughs> have considered that, um, which I think is fair. I don't think they should be considering trading uh, to Chuck, even if you're concerned about, you know, signing him beyond this season, your team just wouldn't have been better um, getting rid of him, even to bring in a player like Eichel, especially when you consider to Chuck's healthy now. Um, so an interesting kind of tidbit that's come out of this that, you know, somewhere, some uh, in some back room, somebody mentioned to Chuck. And of course, it now has blown up into a huge, big thing. 
AJ, good analysis there. Uh, I look at the Calgary, Chicago Blackhawks, and they're trying to get away from the uh, ugly headlines that dogged them with that very unfortunate and unsavory episode with their minor league player from 11 years ago that surfaced. And uh, there's been a lot said about that in this show and other areas of the sports world. So we're going to confine our comments now to what's happened on the ice. And the offense of this club is still worth noting. Patrick Kane, it doesn't matter who this guy plays with. I think he, if he played with you and me, he'd still find a way to, to be a point-per-game <laughs> player partner. He got six points last week as well. Jonathan Taves got four assists. Uh, so the leadership of this club is doing it on the ice offensively, at least. And Gustafsson figuring in uh, on the back end. This guy has done it before in other locales with a 60-point season on his resume. And he didn't look the part in Montreal. I don't know that they used him very very well and I wonder if he's going to get the chance to strut his stuff defensively he's a veteran guy who's been around the league and uh, showed some offensive flair last week with three assists partnering him with Seth Jones who's another guy with three helpers on the back end you wonder if if the offense can can come on a regular basis from that duo and uh, be be supportive to the likes of of Kane and and Taves don't forget about Alex Debrinkat. This guy is is come out of the shadows of the big veteran guns of the Hawks. He pulled, pulled up with three point three goals last week. But another guy that should be highlighted is Brandon Hagel. Because of issues with injuries, he's been given a more prominent role and should factor into the top six before too long. Uh, like Tyler Ant Johnson is a guy who just wound up on the COVID list. So that may create more opportunities for Hagel. It'll be either him or Mike Hardman, I think, who rounds up the top six in the Chicago uh, forward ranks. Talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets next, kind of the two big storylines that I see for them right now are the emergence of Cole Sillinger, uh, a player to definitely keep an eye on if you uh, are in uh, – a season-long format, or even using him in DFS. Obviously, if you're a pretty deep format, he's probably already reserved uh, on somebody's roster. But he's played nine games, and news coming out today is that they are going to keep him, which means he will use the first year of his entry-level contract, uh, nine games kind of being that threshold. But with three goals, two assists, uh, three of those points coming uh, last night, actually, against Colorado, um, it's, you know, obviously they're going to they're going to keep him around and they kind of need to with the other kind of big thing coming out there. Patrick Laine was hurt last night, undisclosed injury, uh, no update after the game. I haven't seen anything this afternoon here, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on when you consider he's uh, got four points in the last two games, has been their, their leading scorer over the last week um, and certainly. This is a team that, you know, I don't know that we really expect them to be a huge player uh, in the Metro, given how deep that is. But right now they're sitting in fourth with with 12 points. And so they're certainly in the mix. But without a player like Line, uh, I would expect to see their fortunes start to jump off. Even when you consider, you know, uh, other guys have maybe stepped up. Boone Jenner, two goals. Vorisak, for his part, has four assists this, this past week. But uh, line is just too big of a piece for them to really overcome, in my opinion. AJ, Colorado is facing a number of injury, injuries, injury notes. We'll get to that in a sec, but uh, I want to talk about Darcy Kemper. He picked up two wins and allowed only five goals against. He had a bit of a stumbling start, but I think he's found a bit of footing, and they're going to need him to continue along that line to, to defend the uh, expectations that I have of them winning the division. 
And uh, they're going to be challenged, though, in the interim. They did get offense from Kadri to lead the pack with five points and JT Comfer as well with five points. But the news on the infirmary is a bit of a concern for me. They've got um, Valerie Nutriskin, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He's joined now by Andre Borikowski and Miko Rantanen are listed as day-to-day. They're going to they're gonna miss a couple of days, maybe not much longer than that. But beyond that, they also have concerns on the back end. The biggest news is Kale McCarr is on, uh, emerged on the IR. So he'll be out at least a week, if not more, and joined by Devin Taves. The news may be similar with him, uh, although there's nothing conclusive beyond the note that it's undisclosed at the moment. So uh, news from the infirmary uh, holding the avalanche back from icing the top roster that they possibly can. That means a shuffling of the lineup. JT Comfort will move up to first line right wing minutes and Logan O'Connor takes the second right wing spot on a scoring line beside Nazem Kadri. And then uh, an unknown quantity, Sampo Ranta has been called up to take a part in uh, in the top six. It looks like he's going to get a shot there because they're so thin. The other options are also very inexperienced in Martin Kaut and Kiefer Silver, Kiefer Sherwood. So the tickings are slim on the port side and uh, the infirmary is full in Colorado at the moment. Dallas uh, is, is who we'll take a look at next year. And I think we've talked a lot about the fact that between the pipes, it's going to be win and you're in. Well, Braden Hopi has struggled uh, in his last three games, uh, all losses, 0-2 and 1, a 3.34 goals against average. So a hot start. He's definitely cooled off. And to that end, we're going to see Anton Hudobin tonight, who certainly hasn't been good to start the year. I mean, his, uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's got one win on his record, but really like he came into that game late. Uh, I'm not really sure the circumstances of why he, was the goalie of record in that one, but he only faced six shots. Um, for his two starts, he's without a win and, and has given up some decent amount of goals. So uh, questions starting to abound. After, you know, the first week of the season, we are like, oh, Dallas doing well with Hopi. Yeah. I had some injuries in and out of the lineup. Now suddenly it's questions and almost back to the point where you're starting to, like, look at your watch and be like, all right, when is Ben Bishop going to be available is he going to be available? What's what's his status? You know, he has been practicing and skating, but they haven't really provided an update on him. And right now, at least, it's looking like the Stars could use him back sooner rather than later. AJ, I kind of joked about Moritz, Moritz Sider in Detroit uh, being compared to Nicholas Lidstrom, but the guy all of a sudden has eight assists in his first 10 games played. He's got 19 shots on goal, added two helpers last week, and uh, he's eating up power play minutes as the quarterback on that top unit so much so that Philip Ronick who had held that role and done well well but in the past has seen his time diminished and his production has gone down a little bit as well so Slider uh, looks like a real threat to hold on to the top power play quarterback job and those bigger minutes on the blue line and if his point production continues he'll be among the league leaders as well in scoring which was something nobody foresaw at the beginning of the season Troubling news is some uh, around Dylan Larkin. He's missed the last couple of games with a personal matter, hopefully hoping to be back soon, but he missed their last game against Montreal. And uh, and uh, they've called up Joe Valeno. He had a two-point game against the Maple Leafs on the weekend. He's going to stay up with the Wings for now, getting a look. See, he was their leading scorer in their minor league affiliate. So he'll get a look among, among the top nine forwards, I think. But one of the guys that's been a bit of a disappointment for me is Pius Sutter. He had two points last week, 
uh, two points on the season rather, and he has 20 shots on goal in the, in the number of games that they've played, 10 games so far, which is good, but the productivity is not there or where I expected it to be. I thought this guy was going to hold down the second line center role, but you wonder if Valeno gets a little bit more action, does he threaten be a Sutter for that situation? A little bit of a downer on the right wing that Adam Ernie is moved up to the first, uh, second line right wing role ahead of Sam Gagne. I think Gagne has more offensive tools than Ernie. Ernie's more of a defensive specialist guy that's played fourth line minutes as well. So some shuffling there among the Detroit top nine forwards, I'll say maybe even top 12. But interesting to note uh, the, that Sider is listed as the first line right wing defense, right defense and Peronic second line. That's not something we foresaw at the beginning of the season. In Edmonton, we are getting exactly what I think everybody foresaw at the start of the season. I mean, Paul, good God, this team just <laughs> <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, eight points in their last three games. Uh, three of those have been power play goals. Uh, you know, the slouches on this team, Ryan Nugent Hopkins with just four assists, Connor McDavid, just four assists, a, a mere four assists for those two guys in three games. Um, obviously, you know, dry right now really being the, the big driver of the offense there. Um, but that'll change on a, on a moment's notice. Uh, McDavid at any point can, can really take, take back over and look, you do not want to give this team power play opportunities. Like that would be my, if I'm coaching against <laughs> them, that's going to be my number one piece of advice is like for, for the love of God, stay out of the box. Um, you know, and we, we could go on and on about who's got points. It's, it's most of the roster to be honest with you, but I will take one more minute to just look at the net mining. Uh, look, this is where we, a lot of us, uh, myself included thought, was their weakest point. And, and I think it still is. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's too much to say that it's still their weakest spot in the lineup, but they're getting what they need to out of Miko Koskinen right now. Mike Smith is dealing with a leg injury. He hasn't been available. Koskinen a point nine four seven save percentage or nine four six rather in his last three games and has looked uh, pretty steady for them. Again, they don't need their goaltenders to be perfect, just good enough. And he's certainly, uh, you know, doing what he can on, on his part to let the, the offense do its job. And in Florida, it's much the same story. The offense just continues to flow here. They're scoring goals hand over fist, and they're getting great goaltending out of Sergei Bobrovsky. We didn't say that too much last year, partner, at all. But I just saw some other goalie rankings that were put out by the NHL. He's ranking in the top five on a couple of lists that I saw in terms of goalies that are coveted around the NHL and in fantasy. And I'm happy to say that I took a flyer on him and I've been very rewarded. My mix has got, includes him and Marshall that we've talked about so far. So my goaltending pretty good in pretty good hands. And my third guy is Jordan Bennington. So I think I have three of the top 10 goalies on my roster. And, uh, and I expect that Florida's netminder will continue to do his part. He's battling with Spencer Knight for ice time. Spencer Knight, Probably not getting as much goaltending time as I thought we might see. He's only played three of the first nine games, but I wonder if that ratio is going to come closer to 50-50 as the season progresses. But so far, both of the guys have their goals against under two per game. And when you pair that with the outstanding offensive contributions that they're getting across the board, I mean, consider Alex Barkov with three goals last week and Huberto with two assists. Aaron Ekblad also putting in uh, work offensively, but 
all over all his all around game is back to the level where we talked about him as as one of the better defensemen in, in hockey in his first couple of seasons in the NHL. But then he took a bit of a turn for the worse, and now he's coming back with a vengeance. And I, I think he's going to be a contender for the Norris Trophy this year. That's how good this guy's game is at the moment, AJ. So there's nothing negative to report on Florida. They're at the top of the Atlantic Division, and they may stay there for a while. In L.A., it's uh, good news, bad news for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, Drew Doughty out for uh, a while here. He's on injured reserve. They're looking at eight weeks in terms of recovery for him. Sean Walker done for the season with ACL and MCL uh, tears. So bad news there. But they've had a guy that stepped up, and it's not who maybe you would have thought. Um, first names that would come to mind with those two big guys out would have been Maybe Alexander Edler, Matt Roy, uh, Wapat, uh, potentially as, as guys that could step in. But Kale Clegg has been the, the youngster tabbed with taking on the biggest uh, number of power play minutes for them. And he's got three assists in three games to show for it. I mentioned him uh, on our DraftKings spot the other day as a player to use for DFS. He didn't disappoint me with uh, another assist last night. So, Really, he's he's a big player to watch and one maybe in your season-long formats to go key in on because, like I said, you know the last three games that he's been in, over four minutes, over six minutes, about four and a half minutes of, of power play ice time. He's getting the looks with the number one group here. And um, the other thing, again, you know, this certainly isn't a goalie show. We try to avoid talking too much about the netminders, but – Heading into the season, I think we all thought Cale Patterson would be the, the number one guy there. He would see the bulk of the starts. That hasn't been the case. You look at the, the game logs here. Patterson and Quick were splitting time until about October 25th. Then Quick took two games. Patterson took one. Quick's now taken two more, and he's won both of those outings. So it seems uh, you know there's some life left in the Wiley veteran here. He's certainly not going to go quietly and just let uh, Patterson have the the starting job in Los Angeles. And we were concerned about the lack of scoring that Minnesota was getting out of their young rookie last from last year, Karol Kaprizov. He rebounded to have a nice week in the last seven days with seven uh, three points, joining Kevin Fiala among the point produ- producing leaders with this club in the past week. But Marcus Foligno has really made a good case for himself here, AJ. There was some concern when they had to deal with an injury note that came among their forward ranks. Uh, Jordan Greenway has fallen by the wayside. He's on the IR, but Foligno looks like he's entrenched himself into the second line alongside Joel Erickson, Eck, and Fiala for a very credible second line. They have a nice one-two punch, in fact, uh, in terms of six capable scorers and they're developing more beyond below them that's the hope there but we didn't really talk about this team as a talent rich team offensively it was mostly always about sound defensive structure and a, and a deep six pack on the blue line but even that's been threatened with Alex Kaligoski uh, is now listed as day-to-day it's a good thing they brought in a guy like Dmitry Kulikov he's fit in seamlessly to the defensive structure here and uh, has three points to go with his, his defensive prowess He's partnered with Jared Sturgeon on that Spurgeon on that top of pairing. Jonas Bordini and Matt Dumba continue to hold the, down the fort on the second grouping. So that's a pretty nice top four. And the guys that benefit most of all are Cam Talbot and Kapo Kakinen. I think those guys could be one of the best goaltending tandems in the NHL this season. 
In Montreal, their surprise move recently was to move Cole Caulfield down to the minors, uh, which is actually surprising when you look at who's not available for this team right now. You've got uh, Paul Byron on long-term injured reserve out until December. Jonathan Druin dealing with an injury. Cedric Paquette has been uh, suspended here. You've uh, you've got Matthew Perot is also out of, of action here. Another guy on injured reserve with a mid-November return for him. So it's a little surprising that Caulfield wasn't able to really produce much. And, and it's not, you know, at the start of the season, you could have said it's an entire team thing, right? Like nobody was really doing much of anything. This last week, that narrative has shifted. You've got Anderson, three goals to assist. Hoffman with a pair of goals. Gallagher, two and one. Uh, Nick Suzuki, for his part, has had really a, a fantastic week with one goal and five helpers. So the offense is there. Um, you know, obviously, I think the time in the minors is is what's going to benefit them. Right now, for you know, Habs fans, it's probably when are we going to be able to get Carey Price back? There have been some conflicting reports on that, you know, initially. Uh, so for starters, it's a 30-day minimum in the in the league assistance program. So puts him uh, about later this week, the 9th, I think, is about where he would potentially be back. Early on, they said it would take about two weeks for him to ramp up. That seems pretty normal. Um, but now latest reports are that they're, you know, they don't have a firm timeline but you know soon-ish after the 30-day deadline so it's kind of up in the air unfortunately um for for you know fantasy players obviously the big thing is making sure that he had the necessary time he needed to get um whatever was going on kind of resolved for him and, and in a good place moving forward but uh they could certainly use him jake allen's numbers haven't been uh, as, as good as maybe last year or, or that, you know, Montreal was hoping they would be. Well, uh, we talked about this not being wanting not to be a goalie focused pod, but we have to begin with goalie <laughs> news in New Jersey, AJ, because Mackenzie Blackwood, at least he suited up as a backup recently and he will be partnering. It's expected finally with Jonathan Bernier, who with along with Scott Wedgwood has held down the fort. Bernier, for his part, has been used to the situation of, a, of an offense that's been lacking in front of him with his stint in Detroit last season. Uh, and and uh, it started out this way, as, again, largely because they can't just get all hands on deck. Jack Hughes is on the IR, as we noted a week ago, and that leaves the second-line center spot to an unproven quantity in Dawson Mercer. He's got at least he's got a couple of veterans on his wings, Jesper Bratt and Andreas Johnson, who are both scoring fairly regularly in the early going. So that's a positive to report. And uh, Dougie Hamilton is listed as day-to-day. There's not much detail about why he uh, he is a sideline, but it's afforded P.K. Subban to get uh, a few more minutes in higher leverage situations. And he responded offensively with a few assists last week, which is uh, – something we used to see from him a few years ago, but uh, last couple of seasons, not so much. And interesting for me to note, AJ, he's coming off a big ticket at the end of the season. He's coming off that $9 million cap hit, and you wonder if he's going to be willing to go to a contender for uh, a paltry amount and, and save them the heartache of paying big bucks to a veteran defenseman. He's made his money. Now it's time for... For him to figure, does he want to find a place to win and fit in? I think that could be his profile, and you might be surprised at where he winds up. Uh, I, I have an idea that it could be a team in the Atlantic Div- uh, Division. I'll say that for now. 
Well, Paul, just one uh, note to add for for New Jersey. Looks like they uh, are going to lose Scott Wedgwood. Arizona claimed him uh, about 30 minutes or so ago. Um, So they obviously are – that's probably not good news for Carter Hutton that they're looking to add uh, Wedgwood on a more long-term basis, but certainly – you know, they Wedgwood was not really going to be a factor. He had been up though because of injuries for Blackwood and, and Bernier. Um, but now Wedgwood's gone from New Jersey, so they'll have to uh, look at other options. I'll take us into the Nashville Predators. And the first thing I want to mention is uh, completely unrelated to their on ice product this year. Um, Pekka Rene is going to have his number retired by the Predators. He will be the first Nashville Predator in organization history to have his number retired. Certainly a worthwhile candidate for that honor. I believe I saw the ceremony will be February 24th, which is a big day for you and I, Paul. Yes, sir. Share a birthday. Um, So, yeah, uh, congrats to uh, Pekka Rene on that honor. In terms of, you know, looking back, on the ice, uh, Saros has, has clearly stepped in well to be the number one netminder there, has performed uh, admirably for them. He's riding a three-game winning streak during which he's allowed just five goals on 105 shots, so certainly putting up solid numbers there. I think the question mark for me is looking at their production right now in, in terms of where uh, they're finding offense, and it's it's good news in that, you know, four points from Matt Duchesne, uh, Ryan Johansson, two points in three games, kind of okay for them. Um, but Forsberg, just one goal in, in two games. Uh, uh, Mikael Granlin, two assists. Like, these are guys that are getting power play opportunities that need to be generating more offense here for them. Uh, and, and if they're going to be a factor in the postseason – which, uh, you know, in the in the central it is pretty open in terms of who it could be, you know, especially with, you know, Arizona, Chicago, like they already kind of seem out of it, even though I know for myself, I had a higher expectations for Chicago this season due to some of their upgrades. Things aren't working out there um, right now, but Nashville could be in the mix and they're going to need some of these bigger names to step up if, if they want to, you know, play beyond April. AJ, you and I do appearances on DraftKings show every day during the hockey season, Monday to Friday. And uh, one of the things we talk about is the over-under bets on every night. And if you're looking at the Islander games, they have not gone over uh, five goals in their last five games. That's combined with the opposition. That tells you one, a couple of things. Their defensive structure is intact, and they're, uh, once again, an offensively challenged team. That's a bit of a that latter part is a bit of a surprise to me when you consider the likes of Barzal, Beauvillier, and uh, Brock Nelson, uh, just to name a few, and then even throw in Josh Bailey. None of them has reached the four four goal mark. In fact, the only guy with four goals on this team is Oliver Wallstrom, which should mean that that uh, if the other guys get going, they have some secondary scoring behind them. But he's he's uh, leading the pack here, and the the club is surprising me in that regard, and. They also, despite the sound defensive nature of this team, they split up one of the league's best shutdown pairing in terms of Pelik and Pollock, each with one assist now. Uh, both are expected to produce a little more offense than that. They've each combined for a, they've combined for a total of two assists between them. So splitting them up, the hope is that they're going to insulate their new partners. 
and somehow that will help this team's overall defensive structure not suffer. But I think they really want to have some of the offensive pieces get going here. And they get a boost in terms of the net mining situation. Semyon Varlamov has finally come off the IR. And Ilya Sorokin, who's played every minute of, the, of hockey for them in the Nets, with a great 2.26 goals against average, now gets his partner back. And I wonder how the goaltending split's going to look going forward. I think you're still going to see Sorokin. He's earned the right to play a little bit more often, but I think Varlamov's going to get his fair share of the playing time. We'll certainly report on that progress in coming weeks, I'm sure. Paul, you mentioned Norris Trophy candidates earlier in the show, and so we have to continue to talk about Adam Fox, who could certainly vie um, for back-to-back Norris's, especially you look at this last week, um, put up another six points in three games, four of that coming on the power play. On the year, he sits tied at the top of the league standings with Kevin Shattenkirk and Roman Yossi, the trio of guys with 11 points in this one. So um, there, there's certainly a, a number of names uh, that are going to push him for for that spot. But look, uh, he's uh, a player that's going to defend his title, to say the least, and he's been showing off well. Other things going well in, in New York for the Rangers are Temi Panarin, six points in the last three games, Chris Kreider with three goals over that stretch. I would maybe start to get a little concerned, though, if I'm this team. You've got Capo Caco pointless over that stretch. Uh, those three games, you've got Alexis Lafreniere, which is one goal uh, in that stretch as well. Two reasons to be concerned. Obviously, these are guys that are supposed to be, you know, potential uh, big pieces of your franchise moving forward based on where they were drafted, uh, you know, one and two. And then also the fact that they are seemingly very dependent on just a couple of guys at the top of the lineup right now. Um, And that's just never a good combination for long-term success, especially, again, when you're in this Metro division and you're going up against some of the best teams in the league you need depth, and right now the Rangers don't seem to have it. It hasn't bit them yet. They're sitting second right now in the Metro at 6-2-2, two, and two, um, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on moving forward. Well, and Ottawa's basically the flip side of that, AJ, where they have some young players who are kind of finding their way, and one guy that's struggling out of the gate, I'll touch on a few of the players here, Josh Norris and Batherson have combined with for eight points in the past week, three goals, one assist for Norris, and Batherson with one goal and three assists. But Tim Stutzley is the enigma for me in the early going for the Ottawa Senators. He's listed currently as third-line left wing, AJ. So he's missing out on the party that is the top two scoring lines here. Alex Formanton is right now holding down the spot ahead of him. And I wonder if Stutzley's found his, his way into the doghouse in the early going here. That's the only explanation I have. Other than that, are they trying to stretch the lineup into three credible scoring lines with him partnering with Chris Cheerney? So uh, the truth is in there somewhere, but I would like to see Stutzla playing along uh, with side Paul and Brown on that second unit. I I think that would be a formidable group just to go right behind uh, the trio up front on the number one line. On the back end, Michael Delzato has proven to be a pretty shrewd addition addition to uh, to the back line providing some defensive depth, some experience, and throwing in some offense as well. He came up through with a couple of points last week to give them a viable option behind the guy who carries much of the mail in that regard for them, and that's Thomas Shabbat. And they also got a similar amount of production from Victor Mete. So on the left side of that defense, they got three credible offensive pieces 
partnering with them with more uh, defensive-minded guys on the right side of that defense. And in that, they got to get some consistency out of the goaltending. Matt Murray has been dogged by injuries and other issues in the early going and not really found his groove yet. Gave up five goals in his last start. Seems to be healthy right now. So the onus will be on him to take the, the bit and run with it in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, He'll face challenges from one of Anton Forsberg or Philip Gustafsson. In Philadelphia, the big news continues to be Ryan Ellis's extended absence. At one point, it looked like he was potentially going to be, you know, day to day, might be returning to play at some point here, but downgraded to week to week, has missed the last five games and really doesn't appear to be any closer to getting into the lineup, which is a concern when you look at their blue line production, especially over the last week. You've got one assist from Justin Braun, one from Travis Sanheim, and that's it. The rest of the decor failed to contribute a point in their last three games. Uh, Sean Couturier, two goals, two assists. Claude Giroux, one goal, three assists. Um, so the the top guys, uh, Travis Konechny, a pair of helpers as well. The top guys on that line are getting it done. But again, this is another group that's lacking really scoring depth here. You know, Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny, after that, uh, nobody's really stepping up right now. Cam Atkinson was having uh, a good start to the season, has slowed down pointless in his last three games. So you're going to, if you're a Flyers fan, you're going to hope that that doesn't continue. His shots on goal have been decent uh, at, seven over those three games. Um, so not bad by any stretch of the imagination. So hopefully that's a sign that that things are going to turn here for him. But um, again, there's some concerns to me, some, I won't call them red flags. We'll use a soccer term, a, a yellow card, if you will, <laughs> for me in, in uh, you know, this lack of depth production and, and where it's going to come from, who can, start contributing getting Kevin Hayes back would obviously be a big boon for them as well but he's another player that just has been practicing with them um, but it just hasn't really turned around quite yet looks like maybe we're another six days away from getting him into the lineup uh, for for Philadelphia AJ at this point we are going to take a break and we'll remind our listeners that I get to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins after we return, but I'm not going to be the hog. I'm going to let you chime in on your favorite club as well, <laughs> or you go on to the next team in that order. So don't think you're getting off too easy yet. Uh, and I do want to hear what you have to say about your favorite team. Folks, you're listening to Statsman and AJ on the Rotowires podcast. We'll be back to you right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back, but uh, before we get back into the, our look around the league, we also have to have a word from our main sponsor through the voice of A.J. Scholes. Partner, please talk to us about Owner's Box. Yeah, you're looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players uh, to Owner's Box receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box new Superflex Salary Cap Game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy games. The Superflex Salary Cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defense positions and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premier position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. 
Play the owner's box salary cap contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only salary cap contest. I must be a fan of Drew Brees. That's, that's the only thing I can come up with, <laughs> that promo code, AJ. Before we continue, though, I want you also to remind our listeners that we're seeing more questions and comments along the Twitter sphere about uh, daily fantasy. Let our listeners know again where they can find us for our tips. Absolutely. We uh, definitely enjoy engaging with you. Um, if you've heard us mention our, our DraftKings show, another great place to look is on our Twitter feed. Uh, you can you know, get links to, to that. We retweet them and jump on there and watch us talk um, some DFS hockey. But if you have questions about fantasy hockey, DFS, season long, whatever your format is, or just your team in general, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can Find me at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z 24. And you can find Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. We'll be happy to share any quality questions that we get during an upcoming show as well. Well, one of the questions that I have for you when you take over the Pittsburgh analysis is when is Sidney Crosby going to come back and stay in this lineup? He played one game for the club, but now is out again in this time in COVID protocol. So that Sounds to me like he'll be missing for a little while at least. In his place, and in place of Evgeny Malkin, they've got outstanding production, I'll say, surprising production from a couple of players. Evan Rodriguez, particularly a nice fill-in in in the middle for the injured centers, picking up five points in eight games played. Look, before this opportunity, this guy was a fourth-liner, both in Pittsburgh and Toronto in recent looks around his uh, career, and uh, he's making good on the opportunity before him now, and playing the part. I've been impressed with what I've seen. Similarly, Danton Heinen, who has toiled anywhere from first line to fourth line, both in Pittsburgh and in Boston in the past, and as well as maybe stops in between, he's finding his groove as well with four goals and a couple of assists in eight games played as right winger on the top line. That tells you, though, that there's some key players missing and uh, the roster shuffling will undoubtedly continue until the likes likes of the big guns come back. AJ, fill us in on your view of the Pittsburgh Penguins before you take us into a look at Seattle. Yeah, the problem here, you know, is the fact that um, it's, it's not always super clear as far as when, players can come back from the COVID protocols. But through this process, because if you've been following along, Sidney Crosby is not the first player (laughs) from the Penguins that has ended up on on the COVID list. But as far as I can tell, if a player is asymptomatic, a confirmed positive asymptomatic, it's 10 days minimum that they have to be in the protocol. Um, And then if they have symptoms, there's different rules and it's, you know, more than that 10 days. And by all accounts, according to what the Penguins reported yesterday, uh, I believe it was yesterday, yeah, Crosby does, in fact, have some mild symptoms here. So that means at, at a minimum, like 10 days, but it probably longer. I'm guessing, like, he'll miss the next five games for Pittsburgh, which is a huge blow. Like you said, Paul, just one game back from that wrist injury, and, and now this comes up. I would say, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, though, while you can't replace a player like Sidney Crosby, it's probably a bigger concern that they've got Brian Dumoulin, Marcus Pedersen, and Chad Ruedel, uh all in COVID protocols right now. And they're just maybe sort of going to get Chris Letang back tonight. It's, it's not even for sure that he's going to play. 
But if Latang's not in, I mean, you're talking about Mike Matheson and John Marino potentially as your number one pair. Um, here's the rest. Pierre Oliver, Joseph, Mark Friedman, Yuso Ricola, and Taylor Fadum would round out uh, the, the, the six pack here if, if Chris Latang can't go. So in the grand scheme of things, I think a bigger worry is the number, the sheer number of defensemen currently in the COVID protocol list for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, speaking of uh, that and, and the COVID rules, you know, another player that's been out a long time is Jared McCann. He's missed two games already for Seattle. Um, you know, easy transition from Pittsburgh to former Pittsburgh player. Um, they're hoping to get him back sooner rather than later. And that has kind of stretched a, a, a group here that I, I think is a little thin in terms of overall forward complement when you consider – they also have Marcus Johansson out indefinitely on injured reserve. They've got Mason Appleton um, on IR as well. He's another player that could factor in to a top six role if fully healthy here, or at least a third line to give them a little more depth. So suddenly you've got a, a player like Brandon Tanev, um, who I think is a great third liner and is a stretch for a second line option. Um, you know, filling a, a top six role for them. So there's certainly concerns there as well. They've gotten Chris Dreger back, and that should lighten the load on Philip Grubauer here. He's, you know, played eight of the of the 10 games that they've had this season. Um, not really great numbers for that. Three, four, and one, two, eight, two goals against average. Certainly not Vesna Trophy-like, which obviously is the reason they brought him in. But with Dreger available, it should be able to split things up a little bit more, and it'll give them some options between the pipes. And uh, between the pipes, the news is very positive in, in uh, San Jose, partner, when you consider this is a team that has not had a goals against under three as a team for the last couple of seasons. They're well under the three mark. In fact, James Reimer, who's appeared in five starts, is boasts a 154 goals against average. Aiden Hill, for his part, is at 295. Combined, they're giving the, the Sharks better than average goaltending, and it reflects in their 6-3, and three, one loss record to date. This team's only given up a total of three power plays goals against in 10 games, so that's a few of the reasons why they're going so well. But they're also another club that's been decimated by COVID-related news. Eric Carlson joins that list which included Mark Edward Vlasic, another top four defenseman there, and two top four, four top six forwards in Timo Meyer and uh, Matt Nieto. And Kevin LeBanc, you can throw him into the mix here. They're, all three of them are out among the four ranks. They normally would be no worse than top nine players. And that forces the likes of Rudy Balsers and Alexander Barabanov to play top six minutes around Thomas Hurdle. you got to figure that's going to hurt his DFS value until uh, the experienced hands come back in the lineup. But there's nothing wrong with uh, Jonathan Dallin, and he's fit in like a glove alongside Logan Couture uh, on that first line. And that's a sneaky good DFS value play whenever the Sharks line up of late because Dallin has been a real good mix in, in, with the veteran captain in that situation. And uh, on defense, most of the scoring load and offense comes from uh, Brent Burns, a guy who's handling the role with a little more of his usual flair so far this season. So despite the fact he's missing Carlson, he's a very, very much legitimate candidate to be the linchpin on their power play at quarterback and play 30, 25 to 30 minutes a night until his uh, big, big ticket partner comes back into the fold. 
Uh, you know, to continue the the theme, and and I'm going to lead that into maybe a, a little uh, off discussion here after I run through St. Louis here, but they're also without uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Kyle Clifford, and backup minder Vili Huso um, due to COVID protocols as well. But uh, in terms of the players who are available for them, they did just get Brandon Saad back. He uh, was was one game uh, returned, played last night, five shots on goal, wasn't able to put one into the net, but that's certainly encouraging. And what you would like to see out of Brandon Saad, like that's the kind of player he needs to be uh, for St. Louis moving forward, especially if he wants to push for a top six role. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich served uh, his suspension and has been pointless in four games since coming back. But again, the shot total has been okay. Uh, 10 shots in those four games. So another player like just on the cusp. But Paul, what I want to ask you before you dive us into the next team, now this is three teams in a row. We've talked about kind of COVID uh, outbreaks for lack of a better term amongst the team. You know, by all accounts, like almost the entire league is, is vaccinated. The only player I can think of who, who is not is Tyler Bertuzzi for Detroit. What is, you know, is there any sense, at least I haven't heard anything down here, but any sense up in Canada that maybe things need to take a back seat here because we're seeing these or because everybody's vaccinated? Is it just not as much of a concern? And, and do we not have to worry about losing what's supposed to be our you know full season here uh, of 82 games? AJ, I'm, I've been trying to understand the impact of COVID, as you have undoubtedly for the last two years. And, and I thought when, when the teams and, would be fully vaccinated that we'd be kind of seeing this thing in our rearview mirror. But the fact of the matter is that, that the virus is such that even with the vaccine, you can still get COVID. And that's, that's news that, uh, you know, I didn't expect, quite frankly. And, and it's part of the reason why it continues to be a factor. Most of the players are vaccinated here. So the high incidence of, of, of uh, infected players, even that are vaccinated, is a real concern for me, uh, not only for the NHL, but for the public at large. I don't have the answer. I don't know what to think of this, but it's a problem that, that we hope that society as a whole and certainly the NHL on a lesser level gets sorted out. Otherwise, we could see an interruption in, in pro sports. Again, I don't, I don't think we're completely out of the woods here until we figure all this out. And that whole issue is well above, above my pay grade and yours. So I'm sorry, buddy. I don't have <laughs> the magic bullet here in terms of, uh, of getting us to the answer in this regard. I'm just as confused as anybody else in that matter. And uh, we just hope all these people get through the issues related to COVID and that uh, it doesn't disrupt their lives and or the rest of the NHL season. But right now, with the number of instances, you have to think it's a real threat. So in any case, with that uh, little dialogue, uh, I hope you found it interesting. We welcome your thoughts on it, folks, uh, as well, to shed some light. But we'll carry on with our analysis and look forward to one of the two the two teams that combat each other in a key Atlantic Division matchup tonight. I'll start us off with talking about the Tampa Lightning. This is a team we know that they're missing Nikita Kucherov. And uh, beyond that, though, they're pretty much at full strength. A couple of depth defensemen missing on the back end. Zach Bogosian's been out for a while. But everybody else, else is healthy. And it's worth noting for me that Alex Kalorn has quietly found his groove uh, – 
offensively in the early going here. And he's become a real a must start in DFS play. He's getting first line minutes alongside Braden Point, it looks like, for tonight's tilt. Uh, and, and he's got 10 points to show for his ledger tonight. And when you think about the Lightning, you don't think about him uh, as, a, as a top scorer on this team. You think about Braden Point and Steve Stankos. But he and Andre Palat have been credible pieces to add to your lineups in DFS play whenever the Lightning fit in. Because they do have top six roles here. They get the key opportunities on the power play. So I think that they're both locks for, for DFS play whenever the Lightning is suit up, more often than not in any case. But uh, guys that are filling out those units also matter to mention that Anthony Sorelli, a couple of years ago, he was a third-line, fourth-line center. But his steady improvement and finding a bit of an offensive side to his game, as, long, as well as that defensive conscience, has elevated his profile. He's now listed as first-line right wing here. And behind him, Alex Barry Boulay, who you reported last week, I think, that he was claimed back by the club. He was a prospect in their system. They lost him on waivers. They got him back. And now he's playing top six minutes here as well. So uh, my sidekick theory applies to both these fellas. They are low-end options in terms of price point in DFS play, but really in good spots uh, when you consider the partners that they get to play with. Well, I'll keep my uh, my comments on, on Toronto relatively short so that you can take the lead here, Paul. But I'm going to give a little um, DFS tip potentially uh, for tonight, and that's one Jason Spezza, probably going to fly under the radar in most cases, but this is a guy that will be playing in his 50th game against the Lightning in his career. In the previous 49 contests, he has 56 points against the Lightning. So clearly Jason Spezza likes playing against Tampa Bay uh, and seems to really have their number uh, that is, uh, you know, only surpassed by what he's done uh, to the Montreal Canadiens over the course of his career. Um, but certainly a, a player to watch tonight because I do think he he seems to really thrive against the Bolts there. Paul, I'll let you take it away with any follow-up comments on, on Toronto. Well, to finish the thought on Spezza, he's been playing third and fourth minutes on regular shift. And also getting a look on the power play on the second unit that's been pretty good. It's been better than the first one in terms of productivity so far this season. He still has the mind, the hockey IQ coming out of his ears. You can really see it when this guy's on the ice. Every play makes sense. He made a beautiful pass to the center of the ice for an easy tip in for Michael Bunting to score a goal last week. And you could just see him seeing the ice so beautifully when he set that play up. I just... His nickname is Vintage here, and it's obvious why. Like a fine wine, he gets better with age, and the Leafs are very fortunate that a guy, the guy is willing to take a minimum salary cap hit because, as we all know, they're, they're challenged in that regard. They did make a major signing last week, though that kind of surprised me with the price point of Morgan Riley. He took a little bit less than some of the top defensemen have taken in recent contracts that we've seen this year. His annual hit's going to be $7.5 million dollars, going forward for the next eight seasons that it's going to outlast all the other big ticket items that they have on their current cap salary cap menu. But I wonder, they're also talking about Jack Campbell and extending him. I don't know how they, they fit this in without moving some other pieces. So that, that those chips remain to fall, but uh, good off, off the ice news with the signing of, of arguably their best defenseman for the foreseeable future. Uh, one of the casualties eventually might be Alex Kerfoot. He's been a really good soldier here, though, AJ, playing anywhere from first line to third line minutes. Got three points for the club last week. I think he 
is going to be a guy that his name is dangled. We're also hearing that they're also throwing the name of Travis Dermott into trade talks. That's something that we've heard locally. He's had injury issues to start this season as well and has been given a look as well uh, anywhere from first to third pairing minutes. They know they have a pretty good idea of what he's capable of, but just wondering if they can fit, fit these two pieces in beyond this season. In the meantime, finally, I get to report on the fact that their offense is coming together. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner hit the score sheet with two goals each last week. John Tavares with four points. So they're on a three-game win streak, and this is a really good test tonight against the visitors from Tampa. Up next, I'll take us into Vancouver, AJ. And again, this is a team that has made some moves that that, uh, that have been necessitated, but other ones I'm not really understanding. One is Connor Garland being shifted to uh, a third line role. He's got 10 points in 10 games playing alongside Bo Horvat and a combination that was carrying this club for the first few games of the season until Elias Patterson and company uh, got their legs under them. This move though is, is trying to get Nils Hoaglander on track at right wing. He's only got three points in 10 games played. This guy's got too much skill to be that poor uh, pro, uh, producer. And this is an effort more to get him going than to penalize Garland. It's another attempt also to stretch the depth of this offense and uh, we thought that Thatcher Demko was going to be under the gun here. And I wondered if he was ready to take on the load. But the early returns are very positive. He's got a 248 goals against average and 92.3 save percentage in seven games played. So I think that uh, they made the right call in giving him the keys to the number one goalie role. In Vegas, it's it's been all about the injuries there right now. Um, you've got Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are both on long-term IR at this point. Now, both guys have already missed seven games, so you figure the, the team probably used retroactive IR, so you're talking a minimum of three more games out. Could certainly be longer, um, you know, especially in the case of Pacioretty, who we know um, is, is facing, you know, six – Six weeks total absence, uh, you know, Stone for his part, again, is expected to, to miss uh, an, a decent amount of time, although original news was that he avoided, you know, surgery and was somewhere between day-to-day and week-to-week. Well, that was October 19th that Pete DeBoer said he was somewhere in between day-to-day and week-to-week, and at this point, it seems more like week-to-week, uh, especially with that shift to long-term IR. They also don't have Nolan Patrick. They were going to be without Alex Tuck for another month and a half. Now they're without Jack Eichel for, you know, two to three, three to five months, depending on on how the surgery goes. William Carlson has a broken foot. He's going to be out for six weeks. So really, they, they just cannot catch a break. By all counts, Robin Leonard seems to be dealing with something um, that he's that he's playing through, um, but hasn't been practicing uh, the last couple of days. Uh, you know, they're still anticipating, you know, they haven't ruled him out for anything. They're still anticipating that he's going to play. But, um, yeah, that's obviously a concern. He's given up eight goals in the last two games. Uh, certainly not implying that that's related. But uh, either way, um, it's it's not great uh, for them right now. And, and they could really use some good news on, on the injury front. Um, unfortunately, everybody is kind of longer term. So, you know, at this point, good news on the injury front is just not losing anybody else, uh, really, for for Vegas. Yeah, that's a real concern. And I got to start an investigation. you got to have a series of voodoo dolls in your closet. (laughs) All that you made at the beginning of the season on this club, they're not in a playoff. 
safe spot at the moment. And you called for them to be battling for that all season long based on the fact that they lost one of your favorite players or they chose not to retain him, I'll say, in Marc-Andre Fleury. But so far, you're looking like a genius here. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't see it coming, but I didn't see this lengthy injury list. I'm sure it's reason number one for why they are where they are. But I'm left to wonder and dream about, like Vegas fans, what's this lineup going to look like? What's that power play going to look like when they put the likes of Eichel, Pacioretty, and Stone on the ice? I think, again, you and I can play defense on that unit and we'll throw the puck around with these guys and be a very prolific group ourselves. So I'm making a bid to help them solve their salary cap goals by shipping us out to Vegas. We'll bump with our friend, real kid poker, uh, <laughs> Daniel Negrano. I'm sure he'll, he'll uh, give us a hand finding a place to stay. <laughs> That's my bit, my ad for uh, travel, uh, travel to Vegas later in the season for you and me partner. I hope we can pull it off. <laughs> now uh, my look at the Washington Capitals, Alex Ovechkin, Bucking is uh, showing up his uh, detractors, I'll say, with the early start that he's had. Nine goals, six assists in nine games played. And the discussion about can he catch Wayne Gretzky and that that uh, all-time goal-scoring title in the history of the hockey league, the NHL Hockey League. I think every, with every goal he scores this year, he's he's making the leaders are more warm more and more people. You and I talked about this a couple of years ago. We started the bang that drum. And I think it's likely going to happen because I don't see this guy slowing down. And I don't see teams being able to defend, to defend him, particularly on the power play. He's still getting the same chances he's always got with the setup that he's always had. And that's without Nicholas Backstrom in the fold. And this guy, Backstrom, is skating with the club or will be skating with the club at practice again this week as they travel out to Florida and uh, for a Saturday night game, not guaranteed that he's going to be back in the lineup for that one. But soon thereafter, he'll return. And that will give them one of the best one-two punches at center with Kuznetsov off to a nice start as usual. Troubling news, though, is TJ Osi is out week to week with a significant lower body injury. So uh, one guy comes back, another guy goes out among their top six. And again, this is a team you wonder how good they're going to be when they get back and, at full strength. But in the meantime, it offers a cameo for a couple of guys, one of whom I think is losing a grip on that right wing role. The second line is Daniel Sprong. He was given every opportunity to fill it in. And uh, the other main contender is Henrik Lapierre, recently a first round draft pick. Never really got a shot here yet, but I could see him getting a look in the next couple of weeks. So if you got a chance to pick up a guy and take a flyer on the right side, who might land in a very good situation. He's the guy for you. And uh, I have to get tip, tip of the hat to the young goalie tandem of Vanacek and Sanoff, both looking really good so far in the Nets. And that's uh, something that uh, was a bit of a question mark for me at the start of the season. It looks like they're delivering as, as uh, better than expected even so far. So uh, things are on the up and up, except for the news on Oshia in Washington. Well, some concerning news coming out of Winnipeg this morning. Now, Connor Hellybuck had missed the previous game um, for the the birth uh, uh, of his his child. Obviously, congrats to to him and his family there. But now uh, missed practice today under the weather, uh, not feeling a hundred percent by all reports. And so they're going to be checking to see, obviously, whether or not uh, he has picked up COVID, which would be a significant blow for Winnipeg. Uh, look, you know, at the end of the day. This is a team that anticipates their netminder playing the bulk of the starts. And that's exactly what we saw to begin the season. Started seven of the first eight games and really probably would have started 
the the game on Tuesday if it if it weren't for you know the 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 birth of his child. But now, uh, if he hits COVID, you're talking about you know somewhere between four to five games, depending on symptoms versus no symptoms, um, where they're going to have to use Eric Comrie and or Mike uh, Mikael Burden uh, in between the pipes there, and, and that's certainly a concern. And then you know just from uh, the, the human side of it, uh, you know, a, a new kid at home, the last thing you want is, you know, to have to have COVID in the household. So um, concerns all around for, for Connor Hellebuck and, and his family uh, as they, they navigate this situation. Absolutely. We wish them well. And uh, sad that COVID is still a theme that we have to discuss in the, in, uh, in the real world and in the hockey world these days. But such is our life and our lot. In any case, now we turn our attention to the DFS portion of our program where we take a look at our best bets for FanDuel and DraftKings. And AJ, you look after the DraftKings side and I defer to you with your lineups for tonight's games. So for me tonight, I'm, I'm going to go a heavy dose of, of Boston. Look, this team's uh, significantly favored to win the game. Uh, Detroit uh, is without their, their best player in, in Dylan Larkin. So there's there's just all this kind of stuff that's adding up to to really favor um, Boston in this one. So it starts for me with uh, stacking the entire uh, perfection line as it's known, and that's Patrice Bergeron at center for 6,300, and then Brad Marchand and David Pasternak on the wings for 73 and 7,600 respectively. It's been a bit of a slow start for for Bergeron in particular, and and. Um, but I, I think this is a good opportunity for them to kind of right the ship. Pasternak, for his part, is on a three-game goalless streak. Uh, certainly, I don't expect that to hit four by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'll use, uh, you know, Paul, we talk all, about, all the time about finding players that are playing uh, further up the roster than where they might normally. Sam Bennett is expected to miss time uh, for Florida tonight, and that means Sam Reinhardt who's only 4,100 on DraftKings, is going to take on the second-line center role. He's off to a really good start to the season uh, to begin with, with seven points in nine games. And again, that's while playing more in a third-line role for them. So moving into a top six is a good opportunity for him to see even more ice time. Brandon Tanev, I mentioned, is playing up on the second line. And while it certainly sounded, I'm sure, like I was knocking his ability, um, he's absolutely a driver of offense. He'll go into the tough uh, areas to, to win puck battles. And he's able to find space kind of because of that speed. And that's seen him put up six goals in 10 games uh, to start the year here. Uh, I, I think this is a good opportunity against a Buffalo team. That's a little bit weaker as we highlighted um, and, and get some points defensively. I, I like Tory Krug tonight for, for St. Louis mostly because of his price point. You know, you when you look at a guy who's got eight points in eight games uh, on defense, you're expecting, I think, the salary to be closer to the 5,500, 6,000 range. But Tory Krug only comes in at 5K on DraftKings. So I, I like that spot for him. Uh, admittedly, I have spent a, a decent amount of money. So I had to find somebody um, and my other defenseman who, in a lot of ways, you might call like a throwaway piece um, the guy I landed on was Yuso Rikula for Pittsburgh. I, I mentioned all the defensive injuries, and without their big guns, the Penguins have actually been deploying both of their power play units uh, this season. It, it's a little unusual, you know, for, for most of the time, 
that top unit just logs, you know, 99% of the minutes, a minute and a half of every two minute power play. Um, and Rico the the guy that they're going to use at least right now, it seems on that second power play unit. So I think that's a decent opportunity to get value out of a guy who's only coming in at, at a DraftKings minimum of 2,500. Um, between the pipes, I'll, I'll stick with Boston on this one. He's the most expensive player on the board tonight, and that's Jeremy Swayman at 8,500. But I think there's there's plenty of, uh, of value to get out of just taking. Sometimes you got to just take the favorite. Like I, I like to play around. I like to save money. But in this one, Boston just so heavy, heavily favored that, that I had to look his way. And then finally, for my utility spot on DraftKings, uh, I landed on Nick Suzuki for 5,400. Relatively inexpensive player. He had three points his most recent game out. Now, that did uh, come along with his first goal of the season, uh, but he had had plenty of assists up to that point, so much so that he's got eight points in 11 games. Montreal, as I said, has kind of been shuffling lines up with different people. Um, and again, so I think this is a good opportunity um, for him to to put up some points without really breaking your bank at 5,400. So that's how I looked at it on DraftKings. I'll, I'll tweet that out here as soon as we finish up the show and, and so people can kind of take a, a deeper dive into that. Paul, what did you decide to do over on FanDuel? Well, I love your call on the Boston top line to fill them in. I went a different route just to be different because I, I had a feeling you'd go there. So I went for a bit of a grab bag here. I begin with Martin Matthew Barzell. I made the case for this guy to be looking forward to a breakout game on today's DraftKings show and as well touched on him in the Islanders' current lineup situation. He's their first-line center, their signature player who's yet to break out. He's got four points in seven games. I think tonight's a good spot against a, a team that is uh, – lacking structure, I'll say, and not getting top-end goaltending in Montreal. And I think the Boo Birds will be out when the Islanders take these guys to task tonight. I do stack another team's first line, and that's the Ottawa Senators, and that's my second center in this mix is Josh Norris. He has been flanked by Drake Batherson and Brady Tuchuk, who have both, I've profiled both of these guys on fire in the last week or so. I think that continues tonight with a favorable matchup against a Vegas club that is an absolute shadow of what it should be based on solely on the number of players that are sidelined. They, they were a virtual no-show against the Leafs who blanked them the other night. I can see more of the same this evening as uh, Ottawa spanks the visitors and uh, Norris, Batherson, and and uh, Tuchuk part of that mix for their respective price tags of 6200 6300 and uh, 7200 So not even a very expensive uh, grouping for a first line that I can fit in there. So around them, I put in Mitch Marner, who, AJ, if you didn't see uh, the goal that he scored in his last game, it was a beauty. It was reminding me of my best ball hockey days, I'll say. A spinorama in front of the net and deep the goalie out of his jockstrap and put the puck into an empty net. I remember doing that millions of times myself, but (laughs) some of those are when I was dreaming. I'm not sure. Uh, And I round out the squad with alongside Brady Tuchuk among my forward ranks. I mentioned Alex Killorn playing on the top line for the Tampa club that priced at only $5,400. He's going to get power play time too. I mean, it's a tough matchup against a team, a team that's playing well in Toronto of late, but I think we could see, uh, it could go either way. It could be a tight defensive struggle or it could be an all-out offensive affair. And if it is an offensive affair, I like Killorn and Marner to factor in for each of their respective clubs. On the blue line, I pair up a couple of guys whose profile doesn't 
kind of lend itself to high-end defensemen, but they're both in really good spots playing first-line minutes for their respective clubs with good matchups tonight. So I got Colton Pareko of the Blues. They visit San Jose. He's priced at $4,000. He has a can of a shot playing first-line minutes, as I said, and getting a look on their power play. This is a much-improved St. Louis team that's reminding some people of the team that went to the Stanley Cup uh, a couple of years ago. So Perigo was a part of that club then, more experienced part of it now, and for $4,000, that's a cheap value. I paired him with Rasmus Anderson, who's inherited the power play linchpin role from Mark Giordano. He's only $4,100. He plays with a bunch of talented skaters and forwards around him on that Calgary power play. They're at home against the Dallas club. You mentioned the goalie struggles that they've had recently. I think that Calgary takes advantage of that tonight. The place where I agreed with you was in net. I got a break on the FanDuel side, though. They priced Swayman well below some of the other premier options tonight, and I got him for $7,800. So that's quite a disparity for the $8,000 plus that you paid. And I had $4,000 left to spend, but I couldn't find any more sensible places to put it. So I'll go with this lineup, and I, like you, will share it later today. So all that said, partner, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean we're uh, rolling along here. Hockey's hockey's going. I would like to, you know, see the Penguins play with a full freaking lineup at some point. But you know, other than that, um, plenty to watch. I, um, definitely going to try and catch some of that Tampa uh, Toronto matchup tonight. Uh, that'll certainly be a fun one to watch. But of course, I gotta even with the skeleton squad in, I gotta I gotta watch my pens. <laughs> and anyway, that wraps it up, folks. Our look around the league in year seven of podcast. Thanks for listening to RotoWire's signature fantasy hockey pod. We thank our sponsors at Owner Box as well. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.